0: Wow, just in time, take your Bibles And let's turn to the book of 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians this morning As we finish our series on the REACH initiative The REACH initiative And this has been a, really a joyful uh, time for me of preaching I don't know that I've ever really done five weeks like this In the area of generosity But it has really encouraged me I hope it's been of an encouragement to you and if you are a guest today, um, you've entered into the final, the final day that we've been building up to. And we welcome you and thank you that you're here. But at the end of the service, we're going to have a time of commitment. And our church family has been geared up for that for weeks and weeks. And, uh, but we're so grateful that you're here with us today. We also are so grateful that our Southwest family is watching today on video and our Life Point service, we're all in this together. And so this is the culmination of just a wonderful time uh, together and a, and a lot of work. I've had a lot of help with some, some teams across our church fellowship, and I'm so grateful, grateful for you. You know, as I teach through this uh, series and as I'll focus in on generosity and all those kind of things, I'm taking my cue from a very important passage of Scripture I want to remind you of it's this It's in first timothy chapter six you don't need to turn there i just want you to see it paul is encouraging young timothy he says listen you need to pastor your church this way he says this is what you're going to have to do whether you like doing or not and whether folks really uh, get uncomfortable sometimes when you enter into the concept of money and and possessions and giving and all of that here's what you need to do look what it says in first timothy six seventeen. as for the rich in this present age "...charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves treasure as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life." And so God just tells us as, uh, as leaders to encourage you and to encourage ourselves to be rich in good works. You may not think you're rich, but the rest of the world thinks we're rich. <laughs> they really feel like we've got a lot. And we know there's vast differences in what we have, but, but really all of us have an opportunity today to be rich in good works. And we want you to feel, feel great about being rich. Uh, being a part of that. And we're also taking sort of our outline and our instructions on this from the Apostle Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians. And it is there that we've watched him flow through this way of thinking to come to a point of commitment. He's calling the Corinthians to uh, make a donation, to make a commitment to be a part of this big fund that they're going to take back to Jerusalem to meet the needs of the saints. And it would encourage those Jerusalem saints that the Gentiles truly are believers. And it will just unite the church. It's going to glorify God. And Paul is really, really excited about it. But he, he comes to the Corinthians. He challenges them. He says, you need to recognize the need. You need to evaluate your hearts. You need to act in faith. You need to cheerfully give. But then he concludes, as we'll see today. He says, as you do this, here's what you can expect. You can expect a harvest of joy a harvest of righteousness a harvest of souls he says your giving will not go unnoticed it will be like seeds that are multiplied and planted and it is going to overflow now I didn't get a lot into this into this passage, but he gives very explicit instructions He says uh, you need to take a collection at the first of the week and i'm sending a team They're gonna they're gonna uh, they're gonna be there and when they get there You need to have that ready and fulfill your commitment. There's lots of instructions He was very explicit in what they were wanting to do And so before I get into this text, I just want to tell you what we're going to do at the end of our service today Some of you are going to roll your eyes when I pull this card out, but i'm gonna pull this card out again Everybody take your commitment card out. Maybe you've already filled out your commitment card, and that is awesome. If you've got it filled out, you're ready. But the reason I do this is there's people that there are people that haven't seen this, that haven't walked through it. There are always that we've noticed there's a lot of questions about this. I just want to make sure you're clear about what we are doing this morning. Uh, so that you'll you won't be caught off guard. What we're doing is we're making a two-year commitment, not just a one-year commitment. We're making a two-year commitment. And so everything that you're thinking through, you need to think about what can I give over the next two years? But here's what's different about this, this REACH initiative. It's not giving extra above what you normally do in your tithes and your offerings. Giving extra to a particular program, this includes everything you would normally give in a year, in a two-year period. It includes your normal, maybe you give it to a budget offering. That's great. We pray that your, your ties would go right to the, the ministry action plan. But it also includes what you might be planning to give to Lottie Moon. What you might give to the benevolence offering. What you might give to uh, the global outreach offering, to our GCO. Some of you just made a pledge to, to give a little extra to our global uh, Great Commission offering. Here's what I did with mine. I just added it to that total. It's all going to go into one fund. And so on the very first line, you need to look at what it says. What I normally give in a year, the total of tithes, offerings, designated gifts, such as GCO, Lottie Moon, youth ministry, internationals, library, building fund. Now, there are a couple of exceptions I want you to know about. You know, if you buy donuts for the Sunday mornings, keep notes. Amen. Was there a corporate amen there? You know, this is not picking up the the, the little things like that. And also, if you uh, receive a letter, and and often many of us will support folks that go on a short-term mission trip, all of that continues to operate the same way. So if you you make a donation to help a team go to Kenya or a team go to Brazil, and you give that, uh, there is a way that that is given. All of that will continue. You'll continue to do that separately. But everything else, we're putting in the one fund. And so, As you have prayed through it, we've asked you to put on that first line all of what you would normally give. And then we ask you to pray about how you might expand that. You might expand that. And uh, some of you, it has just been your habit since you were little of tithing. Or you started that a few years ago, and, and you just give the first fruits of your offering. We know it's the biblical pattern, but some of you may not have been doing that. And maybe that's your first step today. And you've just prayed about it, and you're like, you know, I am going to step into tithe. I'm going to give the first tenth. Some of you are working your way towards that. You're trying to get your spending under control. You're trying to get out of debt. You're trying to do a lot of things, but you know that that generosity is only going to help you in that. But you need to give. You need to give in some form or fashion. So take a step in generosity. So some of you are doing that. Over the last three weeks, I've given several examples on this card. The first week, I gave sort of the example of someone that's a two-income family, got two jobs. And the reason I'm, I'm doing three different levels is so everybody can kind of identify with this. I want everybody to feel included. This is for people that don't make a lot, people that are on, on uh, fixed retirement incomes. It's for people that have great jobs and two good jobs. And then there's, there's people who have really wonderful jobs. And, and, and I haven't given a high example, but maybe, maybe there's some in here that, that have significant income uh, and, and, and you've got money But you have been an irregular giver And so you look over last year And you're thinking, man $2,500 is not a whole lot I didn't give very much compared to what I make and, But you had to be honest And so you put on that first line You know, this, is, this may be a lot This may be a whole year's tithe for somebody else But for me, that's not, that's not significant I mean, I pay less than that for my country club dues You know, and you're kind of looking at that And going, God wants more out of me and so you decide, I'm going to take a step. I can do this. I'm going to take a step right up into tithing. And so you decide to put in that next, that next blank the amount that would make up for your tithe, that that would be what you would do. And it would help. It would also include what you would normally do for Lottie Moon. It would also include what you would normally do for benevolence. And so these are just examples. But maybe you're in this category, and you know you've got to take a significant step because God wants you to be a cheerful generous giver. And here's what you do with what you used to do and what God has called you to do on an annual basis, one year. You add that up in the next column, the next, next blank, you add those two together. But this is what kind of commitment, church? It's a two-year commitment. So after you add those up, it would be seventeen you You've got to multiply that by two and put it over in that circle. Remember the example. So the, 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 the total would be 30, Five thousand dollars. Did I do my math right? So that that is just for some folks in here. This is very reasonable. In fact, you may need to stretch more than that, and you find out we've got we've got needs to expand our missions, to renovate our buildings. We want to accelerate that debt and be free from debt. We want to fully meet our ministry action plan and God has just put it on your heart that you need to do more and you can do more. You've got lots of stored resources and you decide you prayed with your family and you decide, you know, I'm going to take out of my stored resources. Maybe it's a piece of property that you're just going to sell and give the proceeds, or maybe it's a CD or a bonus or something that you know, you know, God has called you to give. And maybe for some of you, this is way beyond what you can imagine, but for some, this is not, maybe it's a hundred thousand dollars. Remember last week I talked about the fact that we need singles and doubles and triples and home runs. We need people at every level to simply step into generosity where God calls them to stretch their faith. So at the end of today, what we're asking is that if you can at all do this, we would love for you to let us know what God has led you to do. And the reason that is important for us to do this, and I know there are people that are uncomfortable at sounding cards, is this is not a legal contract. I can't chase you down. This is not, you understand, this is just what God is leading you to do is to put that total down, put your name, let us know, and, and uh, bring that forward. You'll bring it to this basket at the end of the service if the Lord leads you to do that. My family and I have prepared ours. We're gonna do that. But I wanted you to see one more example. And if you haven't had an opportunity, you can do that uh, today. If you can't do it today, in the next week or so. But here's why it's important. Based upon this commitment that we get today, we're going to be formulating over the next week, we're going to finalize our ministry action plan. We're going to finalize what it is we can uh, step forward and start to do in terms of expanding our missions, planting churches, renovating. We won't know how to go forward unless we get a large percentage of you saying, here's what God has led me to do. Say amen if you understand what I've said so far. Are you with me? All right, so this is just kind of instructions. I wanna be clear about what it is you want to do. And if this is your first time and you just got this card and you wanna begin praying about that, that's fine. You can, you can hand it in whenever. And maybe, God, you just, you just really don't feel like you want to do this. You can't do this. Please continue to give. Continue or begin to give anyway. Because we'll, we'll know there are, there are a, a good percentage of folks who may not be able to give a commitment card or don't feel comfortable doing it. But, if, but we all together, all in, can make a big difference. We've had a lot of questions over the last few weeks of of what about some of the, why can't we or designate our money to particular funds that we like? Well, one of the great things about this reach initiative is it unifies us. I was thinking about a good analogy of this, and you know, there are five designated funds in the Chauncey household Andrew, Caleb, Luke, Hannah, and Stephen, right? Five designated funds. They all require food, schooling, clothing. Some of y'all have some of those designated funds, right? What if Sarah decided she wants with her income only to support one of our children? She doesn't like four of them. She's picked out the girl. (laughs) And she decides she's going to direct all of her funding only to her favorite child. Now, right there, I think it's just kind of a quick analogy... We have a family that is divided. Together, we unite our funds to feed and supply. Now, some of them cost more than others at particular times, right? And we're hoping to get rid of a few as they grow up, right? Uh, we want to get rid of those line items, and they can start putting off on their line items. But anyway, uh, we, we have to unite because we're one family. And this church is one family, one vision, one fund. Does that make sense? And so there's a great unifying factor about doing that. But give, and we have put all of our designated funds into the budget. So as you give to the reach one fund, you support all of it. So I wanted to try to begin with that before we look to the scripture this morning to talk about being clear on how we do this. And so we're excited about that. Now I want to be clear about what you can expect. Paul, as he ends this message to the Corinthians, he comes in and he says, listen, there are some things you need to expect. The greatest misconception Christians have about giving is this. The greatest misconception is this, that when we give money away to the church or ministry or to help the needy, We think that money is gone. Now, if we study the Bible, it says that that money that is given to God's kingdom, that is given to the needy, that is given to help others, is not gone. The Bible teaches teaches that it is laid up. It is transferred. It is laid up in heaven as heavenly rewards. And I don't know exactly what those rewards are going to look like, but I know that we're going to be able to give glory to God for all of this. And so the greatest misconception is that as you give, you're losing. That creates reluctant givers. A reluctant giver feels like they're parting with their resources when they give to a church. You're not. You're transferring them. Joyful givers, here's what they understand. They understand the biblical teaching that when you invest in God's kingdom, you're not parting with it. You're investing and actually multiplying, multiplying that ministry, multiplying that opportunity. Here's what else you need to know is that Jesus recognizes all levels of giving. Remember as he was standing by the treasury one day with his disciples and he watched a, a widow come up and put two copper coins in, And then he turned to his disciples, and there were all sorts of folks that were putting in big sums of money. And he said this in Mark 12. He says, and he called his disciples to him and said, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they have all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Right there, Jesus begins to point to what I've been pointing to for the last four weeks Jesus is looking at our hearts. God doesn't want our money. He wants our hearts. But they just so happen to be in the same place. So when, we, when he has our hearts, he has our resources. Where did we get that from? We got that from the word of God. He said very clearly, He said, do not lay up treasure on earth, but lay it up in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, also. And so he notices the widow's might. He notices the wealthy man emptying out his barns and not building more barns and being, being generous. He recognizes that at all levels. At all levels. And so the Apostle Paul comes into the Corinthian church and he says, I want you to know these biblical principles tell us and teach us that you are not about in this collection to part with your money. You are investing it. And when you plant seed, you can expect a harvest. Now I want to show you four things that he, that he says they'll harvest. And you look at this passage. They're, they're right there in front of you. The first thing we know, we can experience the joy of knowing The joy of knowing that our impact with our gifts is being multiplied. That as you give, it is being multiplied. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, if you look at that verse real quick, you... You'll notice that the reason that our impact is multiplied is not because of us. It is because of God's partnering with us. He says, if you will give, I am able to make all grace abound to that. And I am able to continually fund you so that you can fund others. Continue to give you grace so that you can give. And in partnership with God, he multiplies the impact of what we have. Verse 9 says, as it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. And increased the what? The harvest of your righteousness. Now, the righteousness there is talking about the practical righteousness of doing these good works. What he does is God will take What you have that could impact you a little bit if you just spend it on yourself, it could impact you some But in your generosity your gifts to others and your giving to his kingdom He joins in with that and multiplies the impact many times over and you know when you'll see the full impact of it in heaven You may see some of the impact of it in this life But I think you'll see most of the impact of how god multiplies that in the next life in the next life. How many of you shop at Hobby Lobby? That's kind of a cool place. Been in there a couple of times. David Green started Hobby Lobby with about $600. And now it's worth 500 and something stores. It's worth billions of dollars. He is a, he is a billionaire. Very, very wealthy person. But you may have seen him recently. He's come out with a book about generosity and giving. And he's decided, he's decided that 50% of all his personal profits, he donates away. He, you know how much of his, his wealth he lives on 1%. And you're like, well, I'd take that 1%. I think I could live on that, you know, but, but think about that 1%. He's kind of, he's kind of launched it. And one advisor that I saw said that he technically is, is, is probably he gives 500 million dollars away to the kingdom he is technically the largest evangelical philanthropist of all time so go shop at Hobby Lobby He is multiplying his impact. He is now helping. I I think he's probably the primary investor in the Bible Museum, which opens up this week in Washington, D.C. His desire was to put right off the mall, as close as he could to the Capitol, uh, a, a museum of the Bible. He's preserving the Word of God in order to proclaim the Word of God. Generations will walk through the halls and see how the Word of God came to us He is multiplying, multiplying his money. And and you don't have to be a billionaire to do that. You don't have to be a billionaire to do that. The second thing that he says you can expect is in verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is overflowing with many thanksgiving to God. You need to know that as you uh, give to the REACH initiative, you are beginning... And as you give to God's kingdom, wherever, as you're giving that, you are are meeting people's greatest needs. And I've tried to show you how all of these things meet needs over the last few weeks. The ministry action plan, uh, how uh, renovating our gathering areas, expanding our missions, eliminating it. I've tried to show you how all of that helps meet people's needs. But I want you to see kind of part two of a video of a couple, I want you to see a, a living example of folks who have been impacted through the faithfulness of people's giving here. Let's watch this together.
1: So I have been at Westside for probably about eight years. Um, I was going to another church before then and I just kind of fell into the Westside because I was looking for a good home. And I have to say, I I found a good church home, and I feel like Westside really challenged me in my spiritual walk and my relationship with God. Like, it really pushed it to the next level.
2: I'd say we've really grown and kind of been pushed in leading and teaching a life group. You know, we started doing that about five years ago, maybe now, and we've kind of switched around to a couple different classes and now end up with a bunch of other married couples. And it really, I think, challenges and pushes us to, one, be accountable, that we are consistent and that we're prepared and that we're here. And then just having the opportunity to, you know, spend our lives with other people who are right in the same areas of walk of life as we are.
1: The way I got into teaching Sunday School, and we called it Sunday School back then, now it's um, Life Group, is um, Westside opened up a new venue at Paramount. And there were numerous Sundays they were mentioning like the needs that they had and how they were excited about Paramount. And they kept mentioning, you know, the college ministry and the, and the like a singles young professional class they were going to have out there. And that's kind of how I got started at Westside was coming to a group like that. And I kind of started praying about it and thinking about it. And I had never taught or it led any kind of Bible discussion or group or class or life group or anything like that before. And finally, I was just like, I think this is something I want to do. So I was like, well, I, that's like 50% of the decision. I've got to get my wife involved too. And uh, so I went to Amy and I was just like, hey, like, what do you think about trying to teach? A, what, what do you think our chances are of teaching a Sunday school class?
2: I still remember thinking, man, I thought it was just me. I was hoping we didn't have to go. But it definitely was something I think God put on both of our hearts and that we both felt called, like that was where we needed to be. And it was way out of our comfort zone. We were not, you know, excited to leave. We were very comfortable at main campus and, you know, didn't really want to step out and end up with a bunch of people we didn't know. But I think during that year, God just pushed us both. You know, I think it made our marriage stronger. I think it really challenged us to be able to share the gospel with people. And it was just a, you know, really just a great experience for us and has helped us grow from there. Yeah, I really think the opportunity that Westside has had to reach out to the community and, you know, kind of like we're doing at the Southwest Campus and kind of meet in smaller groups around town and get to know people where they are is just a wonderful opportunity. I think this day and age just unfortunately the culture has changed and you know people aren't as willing to step into the walls of a huge church that they don't know anybody at and that they feel uncomfortable but they're willing to go into a small group and to get to know people and to really kind of live life with people and I know for us we got to meet some wonderful people and build relationships and just really be able to you know get down and share the gospel with
1: an example that I had for kind of reaching our community is I was in my Sunday school class or my life group class one Sunday and I pulled a dollar out of my wallet and I was like, hey, this is a free gift. And, you know, everybody knows the, the story about how, you know, that's a free gift. It's like eternal life and someone just needs to come and get it. But the interesting thing is my class was all kind of hesitant. And then finally someone raised their hand in my class. Well, what was funny is, is that they volunteered say, hey, I want that free gift. But you know what I had to do? they wouldn't come and get it from me. I had to go to them to give it to, I had to go and give them their free gift. And I think that's kind of what we have to do in our community and with our Southwest campus and other campuses in the future, is we have to go to them. It's not enough to talk about the free gift. And show people the free gift and what the benefits of this free gift are. We have to go to them. And I think that's what Christ did as well. He didn't just say, Hey, everyone come to me. He came to us where we were and he he left heaven to come here and to be with us and to minister to us and to teach us and prepare us for what was coming. In 20 years, I hope to see Westside has multiple campuses. Um, but the biggest thing is that we are just furthering the gospel. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Even if we only have one one venue, one campus um one major location we just have to make sure that we're consistent with what God wants us to teach and if we're doing that there's no limit to how many campuses or how many people are going to be watching online because that's the thing that's what people that's what people desire is God's word not, not frills and fun and stuff like that. I mean, that is nice. That's kind of what gets them in the door. But at the end of the day, there has to be like eternal water. There has to be something that's, that's driving it. And it's got to be God's word that's being taught. And I think that's what we're doing right now at Westside.
0: Amen. Amen. That was awesome. Ultimately, that's what people need. Their greatest spiritual needs the church can offer. We are, mean, we are meant to connect people to the life-changing word, the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Whether we have different locations, whether it's just many services on this campus, however it is, here's what people need most. They need need to worship God. They need to worship God. People need to experience true, vibrant worship. People need to be educated and understand and come to know the word of God. People need to experience the warmth of Christian fellowship, Christian friendship. They need to experience that. They need to be equipped and learn how to witness and share their faith. And we need to be about the work of ministry in this place and in our community. And as we give, listen, I think it's going to help people, help meet people's needs right, right where they are. But here's the the third thing that I want you to know, and this is of most importance. Notice what Paul says, verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And when those Jews, look at verse 13, and when their approval of this service is talking about when uh, the Jewish church, the church in Jerusalem uh, receives this offering, they will glorify who? They're going to bring glory to God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others notice what notice the sequence of events there the glorifying god when they see that the other half of the church the gentile church has a confession of faith that is marked by a submission A submission to God's will. And the fruit of that submission to God's will is contribution to the needs of the saints. And all of that is going to combine to bring glory to God. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to say, God, am I submitted in my heart to you? Is my confession of faith truly one uh, that has saved me and changed me? Let my confession and my submission be, become a contribution of my time and my talents and my treasure to the kingdom of God. That is how it flows. And that is what I believe we're gonna see today. And the final fruit that the apostle Paul was so excited about was the unity of the church. He was gonna see the people he loved come together in one united witness, one united offering in fact in verse 14 he says this they will be longing for you (laughs) they'll be praying for you you corinthian church you were pagans and idolaters and you were there was a jewish community there that had come to cross the jerusalem church is going to be longing for you there's going to be a uniting of the church because they've come together in one vision for the glory of god that's been my prayer for this entire initiative. That it will unite us. One vision. One future. One family. For the glory of God. Tommy Green was here in August. Do you remember that message? Really got a lot of people excited. He came and there was one word. That he kept saying was so critical. For the future of every church. You remember that, what that word was? Together together so we do this together here's what I would encourage you to do if you haven't I hope you'll do it in the future we need to make a plan you and your family need to make a plan make a plan how throughout your life you're going to invest your earthly wealth in the heavenly treasure how are you going to do that how are you going to do that is it going to be by accident is it going to be intentional Are you going to joyfully say, God, I want to partner with you, impact the world, maybe in ways I can't even see, maybe in ways that are way down in the future, impact the world as I give, give first and best to the kingdom of God, because when you give to the kingdom of God, it has eternal results, eternal results. And let me just encourage you in just a few minutes. I'm going to ask that you let us know. Let your church know uh, what you're going to do as we take these cards up in just a moment. Look how excited Paul gets in verse 15. He is so excited about this. He just erupts with thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for all he has given us. The grace... The Apostle Paul says, the grace to save an apostle like me, a person like me. The grace to just call out people from Corinth and Macedonia and Jerusalem. The grace to allow us to partner with him in changing a community and changing the world. Folks, here's my my prayer. I believe that our investment in God's kingdom in this place is going to make a difference that lasts forever forever and I just want to say thank you thank you for prayerfully preparing for today and here's a few other thank you's before we get ready to give
2: I am Catherine Grotto Executive Director with Sierra Pregnancy Center. Your support has made it possible for us to reach both men and women dealing with unexpected pregnancies and post-abortion struggles. Thank you for trusting us to reach our clients with practical, emotional, and spiritual support. I'm Phyllis Hendricks, a campus worker with China Outreach Ministries at the University of Florida. Thank you for making a difference for his kingdom as we seek to reach China's future leaders for Christ. Hi, I'm Rich Ellison, and I have the privilege of teaching missions at your Baptist College of Florida. And so I want to say thank you, whether we're working together through uh, teaching classes together for missions coordination, or whether we're participating in our mutual uh, missions conferences that we have, Whatever the case may be, it's our joy, our privilege, and our pleasure to work together with you, Westside, in the work that you're doing. God bless you, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Westside, for continuing to give to support our children's ministry.
1: Westside Baptist Church, thank you so much for partnering with us in Montreal. As you know, I serve as North American Mission Board, Send Montreal Missionary here, and we could not do what we do here in Montreal without your partnership. So thank you so much for investing in planting churches that are sharing the gospel throughout the most unmuted city in North America.
2: Thank you, Westside, for supporting your children's ministry through your faithful giving. Hey, Westside family, I'm Emily Fuller, a Westside Saint missionary serving at Black Forest Academy in Condor, Germany. I just wanted to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and your generosity in giving to missions. Your giving has helped send me to Germany to follow the call that God has placed on my life, so thank you. Thank you for giving
1: and your generosity for supporting the youth ministry.
0: Thank you for your generosity and for helping the church and helping the youth ministry.
1: Thank you, Westside family, for giving to Missions. This is Linus and
0: Liz Kirimi, your mission partners in Kenya. We'd like to thank you so much for your prayers, support for us, and for your giving to the Great Commission offering. Hey, we're with Westside College.
2: And we just want to thank you for everything you've done.